You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Ironman. I'm not doing this. I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Coming out of Week 14 Sunday Action, we have for you up at SN the Power Rankings, which I do every week. We'll have the picks against the spread, the early look at Week 15 later, as well as the updated playoff picture there for you to check out. We also have the fantasy football fallout there from Week 14. We'll do some of that here on Locked On Fantasy Football, as you always do on Roundup Monday here. So getting close to the end of season, fantasy football playoffs here from a lot of leagues here. So important things to break down from what we saw on Sunday, our reactions to all that happened, the good, bad, ugly, surprising, disappointing. We'll cover it all over those 12 games. I do have to tell you first, thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. All right, we'll go through all the games here, all the way through Sunday night football between the Bears and Packers. We'll start in the 1 p.m. Eastern Time window. The Falcons outlast the Panthers here, and it was pretty ugly for the Panthers. There were some positives to take away from both teams, however, as they both score into the 20s. Let's start with the Falcons here. Cordero Patterson looked pretty good again, scored again. He's been the story of the fantasy football season, really coming through as an RB wide receiver hybrid. Pretty much every week he's on the field, so another scoring chance there that he cashes in on. You also had Mike Davis is getting a nice little role from scrimmage to support Patterson. What has happened with the Falcons is they've kind of embraced being a run-heavy team here without Calvin Ridley, and they're letting the passing game kind of flow naturally here with Patterson Davis being the focal point. So Davis, another good scrimmage game. He scored last week, so maybe they're finding a way to use him well in conjunction with Patterson and give you some cheap flex value here, especially in half-point and full-point PPR leading leagues. So... Davis, it's been a while. It's not what we expected with the Patterson twist here. We thought we're sure we're going to get a Davis RB2, but he's been lower and less reliable in a lot of situations. But I think the Falcons have kind of found their best formula here to move the ball, and that includes working in Davis as a receiver and runner behind Patterson. Russell Gage continues to operate and get the targets like a number one with no Calvin Ridley, so that's good. Kyle Pitts, still not spectacular, not getting in the end zone, but decent tight end production given how much that position drops off after the first uh, half or so of uh, tight end one. So still getting it done okay, but still not big numbers there. And Gage pretty solid here as a wide receiver three in this uh, low volume, uh, lower productive Falcons offense. You get one touchdown there from Matt Ryan, but not a lot to see there in general. So again, so Falcons offense very limited with the options, but Patterson and Gage look like the most reliable Pitts there out of necessity, and Davis maybe out of desperation there that you look at from this offense. Now, on the Panthers' side of things, Chuba Hubbard looked all right taking over for Christian McCaffrey. He did save his day with a touchdown, but we saw them working Amir Abdullah, then Cam Newton's presence. He had a rushing touchdown to cut into Hubbard's work here. 
Then it got pr completely ugly with the game script going negative pretty early. Cam Newton did have that touchdown, but then he threw that pick six there to the other side to Michael Walker, which allowed P.J. Walker to get in some more work here. So what we noticed here is that P.J. Walker, Robbie Anderson, that Temple connection kind of heated up here. And Anderson kind of took over. And this is kind of what he does in December. He plays really well at the end of the year. Probably looking for a new contract here. He's a free agent on a one-year deal. I'm not sure the Panthers want to re-sign him here with uh, Terrace Marshall looming there for a bigger role in 2022. But Robbie Anderson looking pretty good taking advantage of reuniting with Walker. And also a decent game from DJ Moore. But a lot of what we expected with DJ Moore was connecting with Cam. And Cam just wasn't good enough to stay on the field. So... Ugly mess with the Panthers' two-quarterback situation. At least the wide receivers came through. At least Hubbard with a scoring opportunity came through. But really, you can't be feeling confident about playing Panthers. They're playing the Bills this week. So, yeah, it's pretty brutal here to trust anything there. The Bills' secondary has been a little bit beat up without uh, Tredavis White. And they were exposed a little bit by the Buccaneers. But Anderson Moore got a temper expectations. And Hubbard is stepping into probably... A bad matchup where I think the Bills will overcorrect and be better against the run, especially a limited running game. And keep in mind also this uh, Panthers team missing two key offensive linemen there, Michael Jordan and John Miller. So their interior pretty shot. The run blocking is not that great there for Carolina. All right, we'll go to the next game. The Ravens uh, came and rallied here to try to beat the Browns, but didn't quite work out. The big story here is Lamar Jackson got hurt early with an ankle injury. Jeremiah. Wusu Koromoa, the fine rookie out of Notre Dame, got to his legs there after he got rid of the ball in the pocket there, and Jackson was hurting. So it was not on a running play where Jackson got hurt. So we'll have to see going forward. But what we didn't notice, Tyler Huntley looks like a Lamar Jackson clone out there. The way he runs, the way he finds his uh, key targets here, something very interesting there, I think, in the way that they've coached him up and found a guy that can really serve well as Jackson's backup. They tried Trace McSlorley. As a younger quarterback, Robert Griffin III is an older quarterback, but Huntley using a lot of the same skill set. So very interesting as Lamar waits for the big contract and waits to see how severe this ankle injury is. Will he need to miss time? Huntley getting the Packers next week might have some appeal there as a streaming quarterback. I mean, look decent. What I liked about Huntley, he got the ball in the hands of the main guys. He got them into Mark Andrews' hands and Rashad Bateman's hands, and I say that because Marquise Brown has kind of been disappointing of late. He's been big play threat dependent. They missed a few connections with him downfield, that's for sure. Huntley missed a long touchdown with Brown, so still working on that. But as you expect with a backup quarterback, they more trust the underneath receivers and the guys. But definitely Mark Andrews is not affected. He kind of locked and loaded here when Huntley was in the game. Went double-digit catches, over 100 yards, got the late touchdown there that uh, almost brought the Ravens back. So that was good to see. And Rashad Bateman making big plays downfield. And some chemistry seems to be there between Huntley and Bateman, a little bit more so than Huntley and Brown makes sense. They're both younger quarterbacks here, getting in the groove. So, yeah, love that Bateman returned. This Brown secondary did have Denzel Ward out there. and that Probably contributed a little bit that... He was kind of following Marquise Brown a little bit in this game and opened things up for Bateman and Andrews, but there's definitely some connection there. So maybe not so bad for the rest of the Ravens' offense if Huntley is in there. Without Lamar, it's a bummer. But uh, if you're looking for a plug-and-play, you might just have to look right behind him to Huntley here to help you down the stretch. I mean, you could do a lot worse given the weapons of this team, given that Huntley responded pretty well with the pressure in his face, didn't let the offensive line get to him 
or issues there get to him too much. So, yeah, so that's where you look. And, and again, not a lot of from the traditional running game with Devonta Freeman, but those uh, game scripts are probably going to remain negative here given all the Ravens' defensive injuries. Calais Campbell was a new addition here. They already had Marlon Humphrey down for the season, Jimmy Smith, uh, Marcus Peters. It just goes on and on. At, at safety, they're pretty decimated as well. So I think the Ravens are going to have to throw quite a bit and manufacture offense, and that's going to help Huntley as well should he have to fill in for Jackson. Now, on the other side, it was a get-well game for the Browns. It wasn't get-well for everyone. We did see a lot from Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and Hunt got early hurt early in this game with an ankle injury, so he had to exit again. So second injury that he's had to miss time with. We'll see what happens with him going forward. But he didn't look very good. He's looked a little slower when he's been out there. Maybe signs of being an older back with some volume here. Chubb looked pretty good, but didn't have the big, big game we expected here with the positive game script. They the Browns kind of got stuck in neutral after they had the big lead here. They didn't know exactly what to do. And the Ravens' run defense was containing some of what they're doing. I think they could have uh, passed a little bit more to open things up. But the Browns were just trying to get out of there with a win with a big lead, given they were struggling, trying to save their season. They also got the defensive score created by Miles Garrett on a strip sack and return there against Huntley. So that helped and maybe eased the gas on the Browns a little bit. They just played... Carefully protecting his lead. It was good to see Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper produce there with Baker Mayfield. That's all we're looking for here. Donovan Peoples-Jones, these other receivers. Uh, we have Harrison Bryant was out, which helped and at tight end, as well as uh, not having David Njoku on the COVID-19 list. So things kind of streamlined for Hooper and Landry to be effective, and it came through in this one. So we're happy about that because it's a great matchup for both. The Ravens cannot cover the tight end. Without Humphrey, they're really shot against the slot receiver. So it was good to see those two guys come through based on the matchup and the Browns taking advantage of them with Stefanski and Baker Mayfield playing well enough to win this game and facilitate a little bit better than usual. So maybe it's the case of the Browns doing what they do at this time. Every year it seems like with Stefanski, it's two years, but they do get the Raiders at home. So that's another great spot for all things Browns that you can trust here in week 15. All right, let's uh, move on to the Seahawks and Texans game. And uh, let's quickly go over what we saw from the Seahawks in this one. It was Russell Wilson looked pretty good, but it was the Tyler Lockett show again. So Wilson has just lit it up with Lockett and he's kind of ignored DK Metcalf. Metcalf hasn't gotten open consistently. It's just not been reheated, this connection. And Metcalf has pretty much been an unusable wide receiver, even though we're playing him by the big name, looking for wide receiver 2-1 upside. It just hasn't been there. I mean, it's just a blip on the radar. Pete Carroll and Shane Waldron are insistent to be run heavy here, and that's where we're going in a minute. But yeah, Tyler Lockett locked in with Wilson. It's really hard to play Metcalf every week, but you know the week you don't play him, he can go off. That's how talented he is with his size and speed and strength. So some, it's one of those players that's really hard. It's like Al Robinson early in the season. It's like Al Robinson right now. That you don't, you don't have great options and you don't want to be there with the FOMO when he does get on track and has that get well game, you're not going to be there. But as you're doing that, you're seeing a lot of unproductive games. But Tyler Lockett has been the man since Wilson came back. And the other man in this game was Rashad Penny. We weren't sure where they were going to go in this backfield. We wanted to avoid... And all of a sudden, they kind of shut down Alex Collins. Travis Homer didn't play. They didn't really want to force Adrian Peterson in there. So what you saw was a lot of Rashad Penny. He responded with two long touchdown runs here. 
He took over career highs in workload, career highs in yards, career highs in TDs in a game. So, Rashad Penny, we've been waiting for this for a while. I mean, the Seahawks invested a first-round pick on him. He's been a bust pretty much because he's not been able to stay on the field, stay healthy. Chris Carson's been the better back. But all of a sudden, Penny showed you that juice, that heart, running hard ability that he has in the, in the best of matchups you could ask for here against the Texans. So, good for you if you took a chance on Penny here. It was hard to trust anyone in this backfield, but... I would have to say when Penny performs like that, stays healthy, doesn't come out with an injury, he's the man in the backfield. And they wanted one guy to emerge. Collins, they've tried to force that in, but I think Penny, another Carroll favorite, is the guy that's come through here for them big time. And I don't think that's going to go away. They're going to trust their hot hand. And he's more than hot. He looked much better than everything else that they had without Carson in this particular game. And I know product of the Texans game, but you'll take it either way. Now let's look at this. Texans, uh, we had Davis Mills return to starting. He spread the ball around, but he still managed to get a good uh, game from Brandon Cooks. 100 yards receiving for him. him. Nico Collins has another solid game with a possession playing off Cooks here. So main two receivers were still there. So spreading it around actually helped these two guys in the end produce. The twist came in the backfield where we had our most productive uh, running back performance in a long time from this team. No, it wasn't David Johnson. He was ruled out with the illness and thigh before the game. We know that it was Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay. They no longer are employed by Houston. Was it Rex Burkhead? No, it was Royce Freeman. Yeah, here's the guy that reminds you that Royce Freeman is now playing for the Texans. So you have Devonta Freeman in Baltimore, Royce Freeman in Houston, just like we thought was going to happen before the season. But Freeman looked pretty good catching passes, the checkdowns. Davis Mills had some confidence here. Part of it was the Seahawks matchup was pretty good, but... I think this is why they played Mills. At least he's playing with confidence. But Tyrod Taylor was playing very tentative. Now he has that left wrist injury. He's hurt. So Freeman, will he be the guy from scrimmage with the checkdowns and garbage that gives us the production we're looking for? We'll see. Let's uh, check in on Rex Burkhead. It was a growing injury. So amazing how this backfield has pivoted from a Johnson, Lindsey, Ingram mess to now a Burkhead-Freeman mess. And that's really classic here with the Texans. The final game we'll break down for you here is the Chiefs and Raiders. And really, this was pretty much all Chiefs except for Hunter Renfro. What a season for Hunter Renfro. Things have kind of lined up right. I mean, Henry Ruggs III, gone. Brian Edwards, just not a player that Derek Carr trusts yet to throw downfield. Darren Waller's been hurt. So Fabian Burrows, or Foster Burrow, has been decent, uh, not Fabian. But Foster has been decent, but still, it's all... Derek Carr has only eyes for Hunter Renfro. He only has eyes for Hunter. And we've seen this for a couple years with the training camp stuff we saw with Hard Knocks and their jokes and Renfro being the older looking guy with a bald head, not impressive as an athlete, but Derek Carr still loves him as a receiver. And we've seen that nuts here for Derek Carr with the Chiefs, uh, just it was the Renfro show. It was like Renfro, 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 Renfro. We're not going to do anything else here. Check down to Josh Jacobs occasionally. Jacobs shut down in the running game, so everything else pretty much was taken away. Derek Carr looked terrible when he was not thrown to Hunter Renfro. So, oh man, but Renfro is a revelation. He's been a wide receiver two, solid wide receiver two with a bullet this year, and I don't think that's going to go away as long as Derek Carr is the Raiders quarterback here going forward this season and maybe into next year as well. 
Let's look at the Chiefs. Uh, again, another disappointing game for Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. What's happening to the Chiefs? They've become a defense-oriented running team. What's going on here? Uh, so Clyde Edwards-Alaire, we like to match up against the Raiders' run defense. He scores a couple touchdowns. Not all impressive running. Daryl Williams scores on a reception there from Patrick Mahomes. And guess who didn't want to be left out of the fun? It was Derek Gore. Remember him? He gets shot out of a cannon, scores a touchdown with the game well in hand against the Raiders. So when that happens, the Chiefs are going to step off the gas. They're comfortable doing that now with Mahomes. You had Miko Hardman getting involved here as well. So... It's not been great for Hill and Kelsey. And part of it is the Chiefs have become too darn good during this winning streak. They win too easily, running the ball, playing defense. We need some resistance. Thank you, Week 15, because it will be at the Chargers. Let me guess. The Chiefs are going to have to throw a little bit more in this game to beat the Chargers. So that's going to be good for Patrick Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey in this matchup. So Justin Herbert, that's a challenge we needed. Not the Broncos, not the Raiders. Here come the Chargers, and I think that's going to help Mahomes, a weird stat with Mahomes being way more productive on the road than at home this year. Just, again, the volume and all that is key. You win games too easily, you're not going to get a lot from a quarterback. And that uh, tends to happen to a lot of teams in this league, more so as teams are just trying to get out with wins in this day and age in fantasy football. All right, we'll uh, break down uh, eight more games before you, before this game. And this show is over um, here on Roundup Monday. It's a Monday. We're, we don't have a case of Mondays. We're fighting through it here. Again, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com directtv.com that's directtv.com compatible device required content varies by package check it out direct tv stream is the your way to get your tv together all the more important during this holiday season all right it's time to continue the show and look at uh, our next wave of games here but thanks again for making lockdown fantasy football your first listener every day we are free and available to you on all platforms all right, so the next game we'll break down is the Saints-Jets. Not a lot to see here. Quickly, to sum up, the Saints got Alvin Kamara back. They unleashed him. He had a big game rushing. Taysom Hill was having a quiet game rushing until they let him loose in garbage time at the end of the game. Then he takes off for a long touchdown, and Taysom Hill has another big fantasy football game. So Taysom Hill running, running, running. The ticket to fantasy football success here when you don't even do a lot of passing. I can't even remember what pass that Taysom Hill completed in this game. I mean, it was a lot of Marcus Callaway, a lot of Nick Vanette. Come on. It was a lot of running. <laughs> That's what we saw. The Saints didn't mess around. They needed to win. They just said, Kamara, Hill, go get it. Ran after Jets deep run defense that can't stop any the number one allowing team in fantasy football. So we knew the matchup was great. We knew Kamara and Hill had a chance to come through. Both came through big time. End of story there. Don't trust the wide receivers or tight ends. And the Saints defense, not a bad performance given that Cameron Jordan was not available to them in this one. 
The Jets, I mean, there is nothing we felt great about the Jets. I mean, when Braxton Berrios is your leading receiver, Tevin Coleman missed the game. They try to work in Ty Johnson. It was a mess in the backfield. Austin Walter, who scored a couple weeks ago, he didn't play much with the illness, so just nothing with the Jets. Zach Wilson is giving us nothing. Corey Davis is shut down. Elijah Moore is shut down. So, really... We're waiting for Michael Carter to possibly return for the fantasy football playoffs, but you're best off not trusting the J-E-T-S-M-E-S-S in the playoffs in fantasy football here. Yeah, you just can't do it. Now let's go to another lopsided game. It seems like we're in the lopsided game window here. The Titans run all over the Jaguars. Okay, they don't run all over the Jaguars. They win 20 to nothing here. So the Jaguars get shut out just when you couldn't think it could get worse. For James Robinson and Trevor Lawrence, it happens here on the road in Nashville. Urban Meyer, get him out of there. Daryl Bevel, Brian Schottenheimer, we're done with this. So, so much for the overcorrection game for James Robinson. Oh, my bad. I didn't give Robinson the ball enough there in week 13. I benched him for fumbling. What I'm going to do here, I'm going to stop running him and just forget about the running game altogether. Even though my passing game stinks here with Trevor Lawrence. You know your passing game stinks when you got to get Laquan Treadwell to be a co-number one with Marvin Jones Jr. This has been just embarrassing. Marvin Jones and LaVisca Cheneau, you thought they were going to do a lot more without DJ Chark in the lineup. And then there was no Jamal Agnew. And then there was no Dan Arnold. Come on. This is just pretty bad to watch here for the Jaguars. So Lawrence hasn't had a multiple TD pass game since week one. He's only had one other multiple TD game here this entire season so awful awful for the Jaguars offense I can't even talk about it it wasn't like the Titans offense was all that great but at least you knew some things were going to go okay it was the Dante Foreman show he looked pretty good he ran well early and he scored a touchdown Tannehill also scored one on the ground but really the Jaguars were doing nothing so the Titans decided to do nothing either they just said okay we're going to win this game battle of attrition classic Mike Vrabel style so Dante Foreman you're rewarded Tannehill, you were not, because you thought Julio Jones would get going in this one. The matchup was really good for Julio Jones' return against the Jaguars, but Titans were disinterested. They're like, okay, we'll just grind this game away. So this is why resistance matters for the passing game. We mention it quite a bit here for Mahomes. Definitely the Saints and Titans. Why would you want to put the ball up in the air when you can win with just enough running and defense? So... Yeah, that's part of it. Some of these teams' mentalities are like that. Uh, there's one team that isn't. We'll talk about that team in our final segment here for sure. The Cowboys and Washington, speaking of struggling passing games, we're lucky that Amari Cooper got the one touchdown here for the Cowboys. Uh, similar receiving totals for Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup, but still not big numbers here. Ezekiel Elliott, the running game, shut down. So I don't know how the Cowboys were really moving the ball. I think it was more by committee at receiver, running just enough. Dak doing a little bit, but nothing in fantasy football where you felt comfortable with Dak putting up the big numbers. So offensive line I don't think has been that great. They lost Tyron Smith again to another injury here with an ankle. The offensive line, when it doesn't hold up, it doesn't seem like the Cowboys offense hits the full potential. They really missed Tony Pollard with the foot injury. Couldn't suit up in this one. Got hurt against the Saints on his long TD run. They needed his juice in the spark because Elliott is just a plodding, kind of low-chunk runner at this point. It was just very disappointing to see. This was an opportunity. He had a positive game script. Elliott couldn't get going in that sense. So 
really bad, limited there. We used to have very high ceilings. Now we have very limited floors with these Cowboys wide receivers and nothing to be found by Dalton Schultz. It's all about the wide receivers now. Nothing in the running game with Zeke. So, yeah, just pretty awful. At least the Cowboys defense keeps coming through here. Big plays, Michael Parsons. They scored a defensive touchdown here. So, again, not much from Washington on the other side. Also affects the way that Cowboys perform. And not much was because Tyler Taylor Heineke... He should be called Tyler Heineke at this point. He might be actually Kyle Allen starting now. As Heineke hurts his knee in this one. Before he did that, he was just inaccurate, putting balls in the dirt. It was a pretty good matchup on paper. We liked him as a streamer. And it was because of what he was doing in the previous games that he was playing pretty well against tougher defenses and producing. But now Heineke just went into the tank in this one. Didn't look right. Couldn't get any of the receivers going. Terry McLaurin, he threw a bad ball to him, or McLaurin had to leave with a concussion here. So it's pretty bad. He dragged down Antonio Gibson in the running game as well as they didn't give enough attempts and enough juice for Gibson. So that's what you're counting on. I mean, Tyler Heineke, Taylor Heineke is going to do well in some lesser matchups and facilitate some things that are going around. But in a matchup like this, when he's struggling and not feeling it, and the Cowboys are putting pressure, you're not going to get much there. So... We need a legitimate quarterback in Washington. We thought Ryan Fitzpatrick could be the guy, but he's not going to be an answer anytime soon or again this year probably. So it's Heineke maybe getting Kyle Allen getting a start this week. And I don't know how much worse Kyle Allen can be than Heineke. He's probably the same level player in this particular offense, knowing it from Carolina can produce a little bit, but gets exposed if he plays too much, and that's what we saw here. So... Horrible if you had McLaurin because he gave you the zero before he got hurt, and now he may not be available next week. We'll have to monitor that. Gibson, you expect a lot for more. So very underwhelming performance by Washington, and that made this a very underwhelming performance overall for the Cowboys as well. By the way, pick six for them as well. So you don't want these teams scoring pick sixes unless you're playing their defenses because it takes away from someone else scoring and being productive when that happens. We'll finally get into the late afternoon window with the Lions-Broncos game. Quickly, let's go over the Lions here. What a mess at uh, running back here. They had the COVID-19 breakout there, the illness. So we lost uh, Jamal Williams, who was supposed to replace DeAndre Swift for the shoulder. Then you had Jamar Jefferson. Craig Reynolds. Remember him? Okay. You might not remember him, but he was a shortstop utility player for the tech, the Astros. I was going to say the Texans, but the Houston baseball team back in the day. Craig Reynolds was also running back here for the Lions here uh, out of necessity. Jamar Jefferson, they didn't really give him the ball. Maybe weren't trusting him as a rookie. Reynolds, as a journeyman, gets in there, plays here. No Godwin or Godwin Igubike at all. So pretty, pretty weird situation. He has a great scrimmage day out of nowhere, Craig Reynolds. How about Josh Reynolds, however? He kind of gets squashed in the lineup here. Amon Ross St. Brown had another decent game as a wide receiver three, but you have Khalif Raymond coming back to relevance. We thought it was over. We thought it was just Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds, but here comes Khalif Raymond cutting into their production as well. No TJ Hawkinson, so that was part of it as well. They didn't have the tight end issue, so they had to uh, go more to their wide receivers, but still pretty ugly here. And uh, again, go figure, Craig Reynolds is the guy that comes through here late in fantasy football. Just just a mess. Detroit, clean things up. Get DeAndre Swift and Hawkinson healthy because those are two guys we trusted. Anyone else is just impossible here with Jared Goff this season. So come on, improve this quarterback situation for next year. Help Swift and Hawkinson. And let's get some legitimate receivers with Amon Ross St. Brown there. Uh, 
not a Quintus Cephas who got hurt earlier, not Raymond, not Reynolds. We want a legitimate number two there, and I think they'll have to look for one in the draft next year or in free agency. And you know who they could actually use here? Marvin Jones. And unfortunately, he went to the Jaguars and not doing too much there at all. Now, the Broncos wide receivers are not much better here, guys. I mean, you look at... Uh, no fan, he was the leading receiver out of tight end, but guess who gets a touchdown? It's Albert O late when they put the game away. So that is your biggest connection now. Teddy Bridgewater and Albert O is your most reliable connection. They paid uh, both Cortland Sun and Tim Patrick. They've paid them, and they've made it a point to make sure these are not good return on investments. Ridiculous. They forgot about Sutton. One catch for him. Tim Patrick makes a few catches. Jerry Judy, a handful there, but they're spreading the ball around too much with Fant and Judy, the extra tight end, the extra wide receivers. So what has happened? It's basically become the Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams show. So much for Javante being the feature guy. Melvin Gordon returns after one week absent. Melvin Gordon is a man again. He scores a couple touchdowns, gets involved in the passing game. Jamal Williams, or Jamal Williams didn't play, but Javante Williams did come through here with a couple scores as well. So Really, it, everything is around Gordon and Williams, especially when their defense is playing well and the other team isn't scoring. We've talked about this. No resistance, no urgency. When the Broncos are winning, are, are the reality fantasy kind of bubble there where they're worried about winning and trying to get in the playoffs, and this is the way they want to do it with a lot of Gordon, a lot of Williams. So that helps Williams as well, is that they don't really force things to the wide receivers and tight ends with Bridgewater. They don't trust Bridgewater, I don't think, either. And that's what we're seeing here with the highly productive sense of Williams here, even with Gordon returning to the lineup. Right, we have four more games to talk about. We'll get to them in our last segment. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than candy bar. It's called Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and, of course, high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing here, whether you're picking an extra snack for the holiday season or trying to stock some stuffing or stuff some stockings, however you look at it. We have... Raspberry mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie. Built Bar gives you the extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers for your last-minute shopping. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines or waiting to see Santa, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Because it's a season of peace and love, however, don't bring up your favorite Built Bar flavor family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they'll fight for things could get out of hand. So avoid your uh, starvation and... Push through the day with a Built Bar protein bar, the protein bar that tastes like a dessert. You can also uh, treat it as a marshmallow-like treat. You need to get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, marshmallow through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate as well. They taste so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Bet online as you covered for all seasons here with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs in the NFL. We're here with the bowl season beginning this week and college football playoff right around the corner. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action of the season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign for today and receive your 50% welcome bonus at your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, and NHL boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. 
All right, let's close our roundup Monday looking at the final four games all the way through Sunday Night Football. Late afternoon window, Giants-Chargers. Let's go through the Giants really quick. Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley. Mike Glennon started again for Daniel Jones, who could be shut down with his neck injury. Neck injury. Glennon uh, got cleared for concussion protocol, so we didn't have to see Jake Fromm in there. He was decent, but it was all about Saquon Barkley. You're getting him the ball in the passing game, running him as much as possible. We really like Saquon. He saved the day with his value with that late garbage touchdown when uh, the Giants were just trying to put up some cosmetic points there late against the Chargers. So not a lot from the Chargers defense that we expected here. Not enough big plays from them against Glennon. They were kind of content the Giants were to just keep feeding their backs, their short passes, low percentage, and get where they could. Barkley ends up with the touchdown here late to really look like Force of all the running back attrition we've had, Saquon late in the season has been pretty decent here with his volume as a runner and pass catcher, and now he's scoring, which helps. So Barkley's the only show that they really have. They're toggling tight end by committee, wide receiver committee because of all the injuries here. The quarterback situation is a mess. So Barkley is the centerpiece and the only Giants player you can trust in fantasy here down the stretch. For the Chargers, uh, how about Justin Herbert? What a big game. No Keenan Allen, fortunately, with the COVID-19 list. Mike Williams had a quiet day, but Joshua Palmer did not. Jalen Guyton did not. Jared Cook did not. So three touchdown passes here for Justin Herbert, despite having no Keenan Allen, spreading the ball around. He was laser-focused and sharp in this game. Herbert has just been awesome right up there with Tom Brady as an elite fantasy football quarterback this season. So if you drafted him more as a middle-range QB1, you're getting... Top-end QB1 production from him. So he's been awesome. Austin Eckler, unfortunately, suffered an injury here, an ankle that pulled him out of the game late. Maybe just precautionary. But they are playing on Thursday night against the Chiefs. So they might have to scramble with Joshua Kelly and and Justin Jackson and a bit of a committee action here if Eckler can't go. So something we'll monitor there. Uh, After he had a decent game and found the end zone again, didn't have a big game because he had to come out late here when it would be... Time to give him the ball a little bit more. So we'll watch that and what the Chargers plan to do to try to help replace him if it gets down to it against the Chiefs here in a couple of days. Now, Herbert, just awesome, and I can't rave enough about him. So if you plugged and played Palmer or Guyton, knowing that Allen were out, good for you. You can get production from replacement-level guys, just like you do in NBA lineups and fantasy football. That can happen, especially when the matchup is so great. We knew that was the case with this Giants game here without Allen. All right, let's go to the 49ers and Bengals. The 49ers, the big three of the 49ers, they get it done every week. Debo Samuel returned quickly. It's only one game missed with his growing injury, so he gets in the end zone, scores a touchdown here. Not as big of a game as expected, but they were careful a little bit not to re-injure him in this one. George Kittle, dominant game, double-digit targets, comes through with a big catch after a big catch, scores again. George Kittle has just been on fire as a top tight end, really, in fantasy because... Remember, Travis Kelsey has kind of struggled in the same stretch, and Mark Andrews is at up and downs. But really, we've had one bad game from George Kittle, but he's been smashing it consistently over the past several weeks since he came back from the calf injury. So Kittle getting it done. Brandon Ayuk playing off Kittle and and Samuel getting it done. So the big three are getting it done. Who's not getting it done is whoever's carrying the ball for San Francisco. Elijah Mitchell didn't play. They did give uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. some volume there. They treated Jermichael Hasty as the check down uh, pass situation back only in this one, but still Samuel cuts in there. So they're treating Samuel as a running back wide receiver hybrid, which is hurting the traditional running backs here without uh, 
Mitchell in the lineup. We'll see if Mitchell has to miss, miss another game here. But yeah, nothing to see there between Wilson and Hasty and the replacement backs when it's not Mitchell as Samuel. Again, another rushing touchdown from him. And all this tying together, Jimmy Garoppolo has played pretty well as well to bring it together for the 49ers. So credit to him for knowing his principles and getting the ball to them in fantasy football to our delight here at the end of the season. Now, for the Bengals, big game for everyone involved. Uh, the Joe Mixon, we knew had the illness, was going to be a little bit limited. The 49ers can contain the run, but very vulnerable against the pass. They lamented Zach Taylor after the game that they didn't give Joe Burrow the ball enough here. They kind of got into that shell of trying to win with Joe Mixon. That's not the way they're going to get it done in these bigger games. And it took them a while. It probably cost them the victory by not being more aggressive in the passing game earlier. They did have a couple muffs there that uh, caused some problems there and trying to play from behind and not being able to finish off the 49ers in overtime. But good to see Jamar Chase get a get-well game. He has a couple touchdowns here, 77 yards receiving here. So T. Higgins still being treated as the better matchup outside, number one, where teams are not uh, focused on him with double coverage and taking away the big play. So Higgins still benefiting from the attention Chase gets. So another big game for Higgins, yardage-wise. Chase gets a couple scores. He really could have had a third there that just missed his hands and uh, almost was ruled a catch there. So that if he had got that third, uh, the outcome of this game probably is a bit different here in favor of the Bengals. So and good to see Chase, Chase get well. Part of it was just unleashing Joe Burrow again. So Burrow got the opportunity to throw downfield. So you saw a decent yardage from C.J. Ozama and Tyler Boyd in complementary roles as well with uh, mixing slow down here. So, again, Burrow needs to be let loose like he was early in the season. That's when they've had their success. And Mixon, again, when he slowed down a little bit and the run defense matchup isn't so great, that's when they need to go to Burrow earlier. And I think they learned their lesson here for sure. But uh, good to see that passing game wake up downfield for the Bengals with the uh, a better borrow in action. All right, let's go to another wild game that was decided by a touchdown in overtime as well. The Bills, Buccaneers. The Buccaneers were all over this game, but the Bills slowly came back in this game because the Bucks simply ran out of answers, wearing down against Josh Allen. So it was a Josh Allen show. It was Josh Allen running. He was the leading rusher. He was the leading ball carrier. He was the guy that they trusted most. They just said, forget about these running backs. They're all bad. Let's run Josh Allen with abandon here. So it took them a long time to get a traditional handoff carry and really came on a fake play there with Matt Breida. So really they just said, this backfield stinks. Let's just go Josh Allen. So he goes more than 100 yards rushing in this one. Great game for Josh Allen. Running, he throws it downfield. Passing, gets touchdowns to uh, Gabriel Davis here. And Dawson Knox. So we like the match for Knox. Stephon Diggs, they come through. So... A little bit more of Cole Beasley, the blitz beater there to help uh, Allen. So Allen looking really good in fantasy. Unfortunately, the Bills in reality are not winning because of that, but it's the Josh Allen show. They've just completely put everything on him, and this is why he went off. When you have 100 yards rushing and you do that special stuff through the air and a comeback against the Buccaneers. So don't blame Josh Allen for their reality woes. Uh, we can definitely praise Josh Allen for his fine uh, fantasy football production here. He's back on track, and... It's good the Bills are trusting him with everything. We're concerned because it could get him hurt. He did come out of the game with a bit of a turf toe, so he should play through it. He was in a walking boot after the game, which uh, did concern some people, but he said he was fine. He said he, he should be good to go here this week. So Panthers at home. This should be a smash rebound spot for Allen in this offense as well. So he's getting the ball in the hands of principals, Diggs and Knox. 
getting a little bit better with getting it to Beasley and Davis as well. So a lot of uh, things developing positive in the Bills' offense as long as they don't bother trusting with the running game. And that's they did that wisely in this game. And it led them to coming back in a game that they had no business rallying to be even in and push to overtime. For the Buccaneers, what can you say about their offense? Just a well-oiled machine. Leonard Fournette with his running strong, good pass catching. Gio Bernard was actually hurt in this game, so that solidified Fournette's receiving role even more. He had the long touchdown run. He's a good finisher. So another great game for Leonard Fournette. Tom Brady, another amazing game. He had a rushing touchdown here to go with his couple TDs. Well, more than 300 yards passing, including the game-winning strike there to Brashad Perryman. Remember him? The once-in-future Buck is back here as a current Buck, and he produced here on his only catch of the game. So nice uh, touchdown early in the game. Good all-round game for Mike Evans. Another high-volume game for Chris Godwin. Another solid game for Rob Gronkowski. So they're pretty much saying, Antonio Brown, we're not counting on you, so we're going to find other ways to move it. And it's really helped. No Antonio Brown, make sure that Evans and Godwin and Gronk get theirs every week, and there's nobody left out from that trio. And now they're leaving room for Fournette in the passing game or, say, a Perriman to get it done as well, or Cameron Brait. So really, when you look at it, this Bucks offense is just to become a juggernaut now. You can trust almost everything in it to a degree. But again, no Brown is giving us what we thought we would see for much of last season when Brown wasn't around when Gronk, Evans, and Godwin were the guys. And uh, Godwin being bumped up, Evans being bumped up, Gronk being bumped up by no Brown here right now. I think they're just fine. I don't know if they're going to even want to welcome him when the suspension ends and just want to get him out of there, and Bruce Aarons is tired of it, so we'll watch for that developing as well. Finally, let's uh, break down our Sunday night game. The Bears and the Packers uh, here. Justin Fields looked pretty good. One, he wasn't throwing to the other team. He had that interception late. He had the pick six early there. Rasul Douglas jumped around. A ball intended for Darnell Mooney. Mooney ends up with only one catch in this game. It's Fields and Mooney. I think the Packers really focused on taking that away. But what they forgot was uh, big plays by Jakeem Grant in the return game. He scores a return touchdown. The Packers get a defensive touchdown. Grant also scores a long passing touchdown, as well as uh, Fields uh, hook, hooking up on another long score as well. So Fields looked pretty good. I mean, he ran wild, put up the numbers that way. He had a couple touchdowns. Good. Look, the mistakes were there. That hurt in reality, where the Bears couldn't win this game as they led for a while quite a bit until they got into the second half and the Packers kind of took over this game. So a lot of promise from Fields that he showed there, even with Mooney being shut down. So getting the couple touchdowns, getting the good rushing yardage uh, there, despite the two interceptions, uh, Fields definitely has some promise here in fantasy football. So we like the way at least they're letting him loose under Matt Nagy. Again, the reality results may not be good, but we love it in fantasy. David Montgomery looked okay, got a decent uh, game from scrimmage here, but really... We look at it, uh, Fields uh, can give them a little bit more offensive ceiling here and big playmaking than Andy Dalton could. That's what we saw in this game against the Packers, uh, first in uh, head time and then in garbage time. Aaron Rodgers said his toe felt a little bit sore and got worse here. He played with the injured toe. He didn't practice for a couple days this week, only got a limited practice. So grind it through. You wouldn't tell with the way he played. Got the touchdowns there. Devontae Adams had two. Yeah, Alan Lazard come back healthy with Randall Cobb on IR and have one. Looked pretty good as that complimentary receiver there. To Adams, Aaron Jones didn't have a big yardage day rushing or receiving, but he puts it together with a couple scores there. So 
This offense, you wouldn't tell that they were limited at all with Rodgers or Jones, anyone there. They look to be at full speed, full cylinders with their production. Adams, good get-well game for him with the two scores. Lazard and Marcus Valdez-Scanling, it's hard to tell from game to game where you go between those two receivers uh, to complement Adams. So that's very frustrating there. That remains the case. A.J. Dillon still looks productive rushing. The problem is he doesn't get enough receptions and he's a bit touchdown dependent to really feel good about starting him not a bad deep league flex there in a situation like this but a touchdown would have helped with Dylan they were in the red zone late here didn't quite materialize for them so again Packers offense keeps rolling goes into the Ravens matchup against the shell of a defense this week and again hopefully that resistance will help uh, Tyler Huntley and or Lamar Jackson there in that matchup this week all right, there you have it. That closes uh, this Roundup Monday here on Locked on Fantasy Football. Thanks for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen every day with Roundup Monday. Don't forget, we'll have Pickup Tuesday tomorrow. Look at the waiver wire ahead of Week 15, what we can address there to help our teams. Now make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available for you on all platforms. For Locked On Fantasy Football for Roundup Monday, good luck if you've got an outcome still hanging in the Cardinals-Rams game. We'll talk about that game, focus on the waiver wire tomorrow there, Pickup Tuesday, Week 15.